listening to the Stephen McGarvey Podcast. Here, one of the things that we talk to people about is that what enables us to differentiate ourselves is the ability to give others the experience of being understood. Your brain is an association machine. It connects things together. Mind is a terrible thing to waste. And so she she came in um, with corgis, um, which I think is, is a nice comfort thing. She can put her hand up on the side of the chair or pet them or whatever. And um, if in fact there was uh, something I did that would startle her, the dogs would bark and there would clearly be someone around to take care of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me to leave, probably. Uh, but no, sure there was security <laughs> uh, somewhere in the shadows. Oh, oh, here's your host, Stephen McGarvey. And welcome back to another Stephen McGarvey podcast with Richard Stone. Richard, this is absolutely... You left me sitting on the edge of my seat um, with the Queen Mother and, and a potential phone call to her. Uh, now, one of the things that we talk about when we work with clients is that our thinking impacts our emotional state, which drives our behavior. You left us sitting on the edge of our seat saying you thought about, you had this idea of calling up the Queen Mother and asking her to sit and allow you to do a portrait of her. Um, walk us through this. Did you actually pick up the phone? Did you have the courage? Were you nervous? What state were you in? How were you thinking about this? Were you thinking, what if she says no? Were you assuming she'd say yes? What was your mental process? Your, what were you imagining as part of all this? And, and pick us up right where we left off and take us forward. Well, remember, it was Sir Gerald Kelly's favorite sitter. So with all the conversations we'd had about how wonderful she was. Let me interject just for one second. The audience, it took me a minute to catch on with your first couple of talks. A sitter is art language. So for those that may not have art background that are listening, um, give us a bit of a a quick description. What does it mean to be a sitter? Oh, a sitter is the person who is sitting to have their portrait painted. Beautiful. Okay, is that all right? Yeah, perfect. Okay. That's exactly. Just in case anybody out there is listening uh, is and is so going, right. what in the world is a sitter? It's sometimes right. good to clarify these things. Yep. So carry on. So aware that Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, was a very lovely person interested in art and artists, I thought, what have I got, what have I got to lose? Well, probably a lot, but... In those days, once you worked your way through all the public houses called Clarence House, there was a telephone number for her London home. And so after, I suppose, mulling the prospect over of making this call for a while, I decided to give it a go. So mulling over. Uh When you say mulling over, what does that mean? Um... Thinking through worst-case scenarios, okay? What happens if they say no? What happens if they say yes? But it's not quite as simple as that. You, you sort of, or at least I can only speak about myself, get myself into um, a, a frame of mind to work up a degree of confidence that I could make this call. And what frame of mind is that? So what frame of mind gives a young person at that age the confidence to pick up the phone and call the queen? 
Well, no one tells you how to do it, for starters. And so there are little things, and it sounds ridiculous to even talk about them now, but little things that I would do that hopefully other people can identify with, but it, it helped me boost my myself, if you want. And now you're going to ask me, what did I do? Yes, exactly. Two things, and both were important. First, comb my hair. Comb your hair, you see. <laughs> it's part of the process of, if you want, psyching myself up to be presentable and therefore in the right mindset. Then I thought, well, such an important phone call. I need to put on a tie, and I can remember putting on a tie. I mean, it, it, it's so silly, this, now. But there was a little preparation, a little ritual that I felt comfortable going through to get myself in the right place to make what could be a career-defining move. So I made the phone call. You get through to a switchboard. And not knowing anyone in the Queen Mother's court, I thought I should ask to speak to the most senior of her courtiers. I didn't know who he was. But the, the lady who picked up the phone says, I will put you through to Lord Adam Gordon. And I said, may I ask who he is? And she says, well, he is Her Majesty's Comptroller. I'd never come across that word before. So I got a notepad and I wrote it down. I wrote down his name because I needed to remember that quite complicated name, Lord Adam Gordon. And the phone rang in his office and he picked it up. Someone had briefed him that it was Richard Stone calling him. He wouldn't have known me, dare I say it, from Adam. And he said, how can I help you? And you were what age at this time? About 19. 19, so somewhere in there. So still young oh. and got yourself into a framework by combing your hair, putting on your tie and thinking through and, and getting yourself into a positive enough state, an optimistic enough state to pick up the phone. First off, look through the phone book. Oh, yeah. And, and by chance come across the Queen's phone number yeah. and, and got through to this person. Yes. Incredible. So here... Um, I'm listening to a very well-educated voice. Um, he responds to my voice, which I'm assuming from the way I enunciated, he would recognize that possibly I came from a decent background. It doesn't matter. It's he asked me why I was calling. And I said, Lord Adam, I would like Queen Elizabeth to sit for her portrait. And there was maybe a second or two pause, and he said, Mr. Stone, we cannot have any Tom, Dick, or Harry telephoning Clarence House expecting Queen Elizabeth to sit for a portrait. She's a very busy lady. 
Sensing I was about to lose the interest of Lord Adam, I took a deep breath and said, Lord Adam, you haven't seen my work. I could be a Latter-day Rembrandt. <coughs> and the line went dead, not surprisingly. I knew he hadn't hung up because there is that sound of when the line is still open. So there was silence, but you knew the, the, the connection was still there. The phone, yes. He, he was still on the other end of the phone. Yes. You just, you'd stunned him to the point of silence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Carry on. I can laugh about it now, but it was terrifying at the time. I, I might have said my name's not Tom, Dick, or Harry, it's Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, I could have lost him at that point. I'm, I'm, I'm treading on eggshells here, <laughs> yes, of course. Yes, you are. And he said, Mr. Stone, that is correct. I have not seen any of your work. Why don't you bring a few examples to my office next week and I will look at it? Which is what happened. I took maybe three or four pictures for him to see and I probably had an afternoon appointment at 2.30 and I presented myself at Clarence House and I opened my portfolio for him to look at it. And he, within minutes, had said, um, I'd like to commission a portrait of my wife. I was thunderstruck. I wasn't expecting that. And he said, um, how much? I had no idea. So I said, and it was guineas in those days. It was like one pound, one shilling. So it might have been four guineas, four pounds, four shillings or something. And he said, I want to ask you something else. He said, I'm having a cocktail party this evening, and if you don't have to rush away, would you come to it? So I said, thank you, but may I ask why we don't know each other? And he said, I'm intrigued by your request that you want to paint a portrait of Queen Elizabeth. So this is interesting, because the average person could have taken, uh, we can't let every Tom, Dick, or Harry, you know, talk to the Queen or, or sit down with the Queen and paint the Queen. The average person could have taken that as a rejection and a no and sort of scurried away with their tail between their legs, so to speak. But you were so clear on the outcome that you were after and so determined to accomplish this outcome that you had the, the, the focus and the determination to push this through. So now you're being invited to a cocktail party. Uh, yes. Um, I'm actually a very shy person, hard as it is to believe. I am actually instinctively very shy. And I thanked Lord Adam for the invite and gladly accepted. I didn't know what I was stepping into other than it sounded exciting. So I went to Lord Adam's flat in London and um, was intrigued, really, as to why. But Lord Adam, on greeting me, said, there are some people here that you should meet that could be instrumental in bringing this portrait about. He said, go and talk to them. Now, when he says this portrait, he's referring to the one that you want with the Queen Mother. Yes. Okay. Yes. Beautiful. Not one of his wife. Right. Okay. That was a given. All That was the done deal. And th th there were people, uh, friends of the Queen Mother's there, um, people who would advise her on certain issues. And most important of all, people who 
were instrumental in bringing about an official commission because it's back to we can't have any Tom, Dick or Harry telephoning asking for her to sit. Um, in court circles where any portrait there has to be a reason for it to happen. So it will be a regiment, an institution. Uh, in my career I've been asked to paint portraits that they have um, as a, a private record of themselves or someone that they're close to um, and that would be a commission directly from uh, a member of the royal family. In this instance the, the thinking of Lord Adam was very much let's turn this into an official commission let's look at what regiments Queen Elizabeth is associated with. It so happened, and we're, we're skipping here months, if not 18 months, um, the Royal Anglian Regiment. This was uh, an amalgamation of lots of local um, regiments in my area were about to celebrate their 10th anniversary. And Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, was their Colonel-in-Chief. And this is really how um, that uh, uh, request of mine for Queen Elizabeth to sit so I could paint a portrait turned into a reality because there was a reason to do it. Um, the royal family don't like um, uh, creating a precedent what they, they very much like and feel very comfortable with is working within um, the, the format of what has happened before and can we use that as a reason to make this happen now. Um, they are tradition driven and it is traditional for a, a colonel-in-chief of a regiment, a royal figurehead or whatever to have a portrait painted and it was my good luck that there was this milestone anniversary coming up that if the regiment approved then I would get the job. And what is a regiment? Is that like a board of directors, a council, uh, advisors? Is that what, what's, tell us a bit more about what a regiment is. Um, the British Army is composed of uh, regiments, whether it's the Guards yeah, or it's okay. the Royal Anglians or yeah. it's the Black Watch in Scotland gotcha. and things like gotcha. this. Um, they have, uh, uh, they carry with them an enormous history, a great pedigree. Um, they fought in uh, very famous battles. Um, they, of course, they are still in existence today. So this is very deep tradition, culture, uh, beliefs, values, what we're dealing with here is really steeped in this whole dynamic of, of Britain. Yes. Okay, interesting. And it, it's, it's, it's painting portraits for posterity because they will never be sold. Right. They will always be retained by the regiments. And if the regiments themselves become amalgamated, there's going to be a regimental museum somewhere where this portrait will continue to hang and be, dare I say it, revered because of the person. So if I were in a position like this, I would want to make sure the person that I had painting this was the top available anywhere in the world. C 
correct. So there was a certain risk here if Queen Elizabeth was going to say yes and if the Royal Anglian Regiment were going to agree to it. Um, I mentioned that Queen Elizabeth had uh, enjoyed the company of artists. Um, she was in her early 80s at this time and um, had sat for the greatest of portrait painters during her long life. Um, but I think she was genuinely curious and intrigued that someone so young um, would want the responsibility of um, accepting something as challenging as this. Um, I was so, I think, driven with passion and excitement and thrilled to be following the same footsteps as Sir Gerald Kelly um, that I, I wasn't as nervous as, as about it as I should have been. That's interesting. In retrospect, you realize the significance of this. <laughs> you should have been a bit more nervous in the moment you were so driven that you were willing to do whatever it took to accomplish it. Yes. That's a really good lesson in life in general. Yes. That uh, if, if we're focused on a goal and have enough passion and determination, we'll have the flexibility to find a way to accomplish it. Yes. And in retrospect, some of those goals uh, may have seemed, uh, uh, you know, they may have been a little too big, uh, but setting big goals allows us to uh, accomplish greater things than if we set a bunch of small ones. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, and I think buoyed by this youthful confidence, rashness. Um, the sitting started and um, the Queen Mother was interested in what I was doing. Um, she was interested in me and was interested in helping me. So just to recap in my own mind, so the phone call led to a conversation uh, we can't let any Tom, Dick and Harry sit down and paint the Queen or a portrait of the Queen led to a cocktail party or a, an evening get together which led to the introduction to the right people which opened up so y you're now taking us to the sitting with the Queen did you talk to the Queen ahead of time did she introduce herself prior to this sitting uh, what was that process like she wanted to meet me before committing okay and so we had a talk and I'd sketched out some ideas as to how um, I felt the portrait might look, um, which she appeared to like. Um, but the important bit was, did she have confidence in me? That That's really what it was, was all about. And how did you know when she did? Was it something she said? Was it, what, what, what do you think gave her that confidence? Was it the demonstration of your work? Was it your portfolio that you showed her? How did that interaction go? Uh, the, the interaction was, was, was very comfortable. Um, she was focused on what I was thinking, the direction I wished to take the portrait, how long I wanted, very practical things. How long do I have to sit? How long is it likely to take? Um, and she was aware that there was a finite date when it had to be finished because it was going to be officially unveiled. Um, so a lot of it is practical stuff, but within that, of course, of uh, in information gathering is 
what was the artist going to be like? I mean, do I have confidence in this this young man? So this was like a job interview almost. Yes. <laughs> With someone very grand, very gracious, and absolutely charming. But while I've mentioned the word charming, I didn't know at that point whether I would really have this opportunity. But as Queen Elizabeth left the room, there was her personal page waiting by the door, and I saw her wink at him and said, Mr. Stone is absolutely charming. And I thought, okay, I think I've got it. You think you've got it. So yeah. that was a good sign in the yes. right direction. Yes. And, and where to go from there? When did you get the official go-ahead, the official okay? It, it took quite a bit of time because the Royal Diary is very busy. And um, the first sitting actually took place the day after my 22nd birthday. Wow, what an accomplishment by 22. Um, yes, it was maddening that in the history books um, that the youngest royal portrait painter of all time was Sir Thomas Lawrence, who painted, and I have to admit it, a breathtakingly wonderful picture of the consort of George III, Queen Charlotte. And um, he, he, he was 21. I'm not competitive. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> so that first sitting with the, uh, with the Queen, take us through the initial... Do you get in there early and, and do your setup? Do you, how do you decide where it's going to be? Did you have say in what she wore? Uh, how, how did that whole first interaction go? Or um, first sitting, I should say. Well, I, I had... Um, discussed with her, if you want, in the uh, the briefing session, um, that I w wanted her in um, um, a long frock. Um, certainly something that um, people would recognize as being a look that uh, was characteristic of her. Um, we both of us quite liked the idea that the portrait would be standing. Um, and she asked me whether I had any particular jewellery in mind and I'd done my research I mean it doesn't matter wherever we go for a meeting you've got to know what you want to have done your research so you're as prepared as well prepared as you could possibly be and um, with the access to a library and things like this. this is all way before the internet and things like this I, I identified a number of things that I felt could contribute to a nice portrait and so in the first sitting and she's very practical used to dealing with artists and not wanting to waste her own time or indeed the time of the artist I've been allocated like an hour and a half or something which you, ideally one would like longer but the, the the thing with an hour and a half is it's very focused and so she she came in um, with corgis um, which I think is, is a nice comfort thing she can put her hand down by the side of a chair or pet them or whatever and um, if in fact there was uh, something I did that would startle her the dogs would bark and there would clearly be 
someone around to take care of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> Asked me to leave, probably. I'm, but I'm no, sure there was security <laughs> uh, somewhere in the shadows. Oh, of course. <laughs> but the, the, the dogs would be the first to... Um, first sound uh, of alarm. <laughs> you've got it. And um, she said, you must tell me what you want me to do. And so I would tell her what I wanted to do. I think she was surprised that uh, I wanted to engage her in conversation. And she seemed to go along with that. Now, why is that? You've mentioned this numerous times in listening to your talks. Why is this important to engage your sitter, your, the person that you're doing the portrait of? Why is it important for you to engage them in conversation? Um, first and foremost, to uh, uh, learn more about them as a person, um, to get a better understanding of their personality, um, to distract them from the self-consciousness of being stared at. Now, of course, when you're a member of the royal family, you're used to having a photograph taken all the time and things like this. And so people do look at you, but they don't stare at you. And an hour and a half of actually being looked at in some detail is a very self-conscious thing. It doesn't matter who you are. And so the conversation is a way of diverting attention from the fact I'm really looking at you. And you mentioned as well in some of your talks, which we'll get to later when we chat about President Mandela, you talked about the importance of building that rapport as part of that conversation. So we'll loop back to that in, in the, the next time we chat. Uh, and, and also something that just popped into my head, the last time you talked about that peach and how many times you painted that peach. So you're staring, uh, not just sort of looking into space, you're staring for the details, like the fuzz on the peach to capture the emotion and to capture the essence of that personality. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. And it's capturing a, a gesture. Um, a portrait doesn't necessarily have to have the eyes looking directly at you. And in the Queen Mother's case, uh, she was a, a lady of short stature, had fabulous hats, and use, use the hats to not only give herself more height, but to use them as, a, as an ornament, a, a distraction. So there actually was always a vision of a much taller person. And she, if you want, was quite theatrical in her mannerisms, that she would use her hands a lot to um, acknowledge people. Um, clearly the royals are expected to wave but they do wave in a very distinctive way and the Queen Mother had her own trademark way of, of waving not that I was thinking about painting her waving in the portrait because that didn't happen but hands were important to the portrait because long gloves nice yeah. jewels and things like that were all part of the, the royal package that you expected to see the, the, the first sitting was very pleasant, very jolly, but while I was getting to know her, she was clever enough to want to get to know me. Now, Richard, this, this is fascinating. Every talk that I've listened to, you've left us, the audience, hanging um, with something that teases us as to what's coming next. Um, what can we leave the audience with today 
that teases them with what's to come in our next conversation. If I could be so bold as to ask, you told me once when we first had the conversation, if you don't ask, you don't get, and you are living proof of that. You're now sitting in front of the queen, uh, painting a royal portrait, because you were bold enough to think boldly, to have the confidence to pick up that phone and make that So what can we leave our audience with to dangle and tease them about our next her Majesty Queen Elizabeth, the Queen Mother, was the best agent I've ever had. Ah, so publicity and agents and word of mouth is my guess. And where that led to next, uh, we'll leave the audience wondering, so they'll have to come back and listen to our next chat. <laughs>